Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and happy holidays all around. If you're listening to this, the day that it comes out, it is officially Christmas. My name is Santa Funktastic. And I'm Derek the Elf. <laughs> so, uh, we're, it's, it's been a weird schedule this week for us. We actually recorded the last episode on Monday at 1.30 in the afternoon, and now here it is Friday and it's like 10.30 at night, so our schedule's been kind of crazy lately. And uh, we were sp- I, I completely forgot that um, Christmas Eve was on Sunday. I could have sworn it was on Monday this year. Yeah, Christmas always throws everything off no matter what day it's on. Even if it's on like a random Wednesday or Thursday, it seems like it just throws something off yeah. for somebody. But it, it's, it's funny because you, you mentioned the crazy schedule. I feel like we should do this episode almost like late night DJs. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Nerd Cave Retro After Dark or something. Yeah. That's a show uh, I can get behind there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, that will definitely earn the little red E on iTunes. But um, but yeah, I think both of us went out earlier tonight and uh, getting the last of our shopping done. Which was kind of a daunting task, considering it's Friday night and uh, everyone else on the planet is out trying to do the same thing. So I don't know what we were thinking, <laughs> mostly because I needed uh, some personal items like toiletry stuff, you know, some shave items and things of that nature. So we had to go to the local Target and 
good Lord, there was a lot of people in there. Yeah, I, I live a couple of blocks from our mall we have here in town. So we went to you know get our last bit of shopping done. And I was telling you before we started, there's always this one section of the parking lot that's like at the back end of the Belk that no one ever parks in yeah. <laughs> except for this time of year. And that lot was pretty much full. That's how packed it was. You could barely walk in there. It, it was it was crazy. Yeah, it's like I was telling you, I think this is the first time I've ever been into, I mean, whether it's Walmart or Target or whatever, but we went to Target and every single register was open and someone was working at it. I'm like, wow, you never see this. Like every register being manned by a human. You know it's packed when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's wild. But I, you know, got all the got all the Christmas shopping done, so now uh now just waiting for for the holiday yeah and uh all the shopping's done uh don't have to go anywhere to do anything and as of today or actually yesterday at uh at 1 p uh, 1 p.m i have been officially on vacation for the next almost two weeks Ow. which is so nice uh, I love that vacation is one of my favorite words. Ah, yes, it is. I love vacation, and I love being able to wake up when I want to and not have any responsibilities. It's almost like being a kid again. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's good stuff. <laughs> but uh, But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about our news for this week. Um, if I can get the thing to play, why is it not playing? There we go. Uh, we have some uh, some cool stuff if you're a Sega fan coming from Nintendo Life. Uh, the Sega Dreamcast, Saturn, and Mega Drive hardware coming from Retrobit in 2018. Retrobit, known for their uh, Res Plus and the Retrobit Micro Console, are um, they're teaming up with Sega to bring a new line of products based on Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis, Saturn, and Dreamcast. Um, they're going to get uh, the modern makeover treatment with Retrobit promising to retain original formats while adding in contemporary upgrades such as USB and Bluetooth connectivity. No word on exactly what products, consoles, or accessories this new partnership will conjure up just yet, but Retrobit has teased a proper reveal come CES 2018, which kicks off January 7th in Las Vegas. The cool thing about this is that they're they're doing the Saturn and the Dreamcast, which are so overlooked yeah. when compared to the Genesis. You know, I did have a Dreamcast when it came out mostly for the Sonic games, but it was a, a short-lived console. I never had the Saturn, but this would be something I'd consider getting just because of that. You know, like with the Genesis, a lot of the games that were on the Genesis were on the Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. and I already had an SNES, so I never bothered to get them for the Genesis. You know, again, I played it mostly for the Sonic games, but I'd be curious to see what games are going to be on it. Yeah, I mean, this would actually be something that I would really be interested in getting, um, mm -hmm. especially just for the the Genesis stuff. Uh, I never have never had any interest in the the Saturn or the Dreamcast, especially at the time. They were very, like you said, just 
very overlooked at the time. And, um, they really had a couple of big missteps with those consoles and kind of what really drove Sega out of the, uh, the console market, you know, with the, with those systems. Um, and there's actually a really good, um, I think it's the, the gaming historian on YouTube did a really good video not too long ago about what happened to Sega and, you know, the bad decisions that went into the launch of the Sega Dreamcast, which basically caused, you know, the downfall of Sega and the console market. Um, so this will be interesting for this to come out, you know, and see what exactly it's going to be. Uh, and also, if it's got a good price point, I might actually pick one of these up. Yeah, same here. The, and like I said, the thing I'm most curious about would be the lineup of the games. Yeah. So that, that'll be something that you know I definitely want to follow uh, as this develops. But our second news story, this is actually a little bit of breaking news. Uh, this was reported earlier, uh, earlier today. Uh, this also comes to us from Nintendo Life. The Donkey Kong World High Score record just got smashed to bits again. In video games, there are high scores, and then there are high scores. The long battle for Donkey Kong's biggest score definitely falls into the latter category. It's the holy grail of arcade scores, and it's played host to some of the most competitive rivalries in history. The arcade classic's high score has been smashed yet again with previous record holder and former pro poker player Robbie Lakeman surpassing the current record of 218,000 set by Wes Copeland in May 2016. Lakeman, who's been trading stewardship of the record with Copeland since he won it from Hank Chen in 2014, hit a whopping 1,230,100 last night while live streaming the attempt on Facebook. That's a big score. Yeah. <laughs> Whole, I didn't even know that was possible in Donkey Kong. I didn't either. That might be one that stands for a while. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I have a feeling there might be a King of Kong two coming out of this. Yeah, that's another thing we were talking about, you know, off air when we when you first revealed this story to me. It's actually a really good documentary. I don't know if it's still on Netflix or not. Um, let, actually, I can look that up. Let me look on Just Watch. If you ever want to look up something streaming, just go to JustWatch.com. Let me type okay. in King of Kong. Uh, it is not streaming anywhere right now, but you can rent it. Uh, you can also buy it. It's on Vudu, Google Play, iTunes, uh, Fandango Now, PlayStation Network, and Microsoft. So any one of those, uh, you can pick it up. Um, more than likely, it's probably going to be streaming again soon. So, yeah. uh, I mean, if you got, you know, a couple of bucks to spare, it's a, it's a really good movie to rent and you know, it's around $2 to rent it. So it's, it's worth the two bucks to rent, but it, it comes on and off of, uh, uh, Amazon prime a lot. If you have Amazon prime. Yeah. It said here that it took Lakeman three and a half hours to get that score. So he streamed for three and a half hours. Wow. That That's <laughs> That's insane. That's what I like to call dedication. Yeah. This is yeah, nuts. I, I'd love to watch some highlights of the stream, but, you know, it's... I That's one, like I said, that will stand for a while. Because that's, yeah. that's such a big jump from the previous record. That's insane. 
<laughs> These people are dedicated, man. Yeah. Like, I like games, and I like playing games, but there's no way that I could train myself to get, like, these crazy high scores that uh, that these guys do. And especially, like, the speedrun guys. Have you watched mm-hmm. the world record speedruns of, like, Super Mario World and, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, regular Mario Brothers and, like, Ninja Gaiden, things like that? It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, I couldn't do it. There's no way. No, absolutely <laughs> I not. I don't have the concentration for it. Or the coordination. Yeah. But let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. On December 1st, 1988, Nintendo releases Zelda II The Adventure of Link in America. The game had been released nearly two years earlier in Japan on the Famicom Disk System before America even saw the first The Legend of Zelda. Now, Zelda 2 is widely proclaimed as the red-headed stepchild <laughs> of the Zelda franchise, and for good reason, because, I mean, I don't hate it like a lot of other people do, but it is just so different from all the other Zelda games that, you know, I would probably put it on the at the bottom of my list. I never played the CDI games, so I, I can't speak for personal experience on that, but I have watched video of it, and... They're bad. Yeah, they look awful. They're... But Zelda 2, like I, I've played I played it a decent amount, but it's one of those that I never beat just because I could never fully get into it like I could the original Zelda. Yeah, I love the original Legend of Zelda, and then when Zelda 2 came out, it was so it was way too different than the first one. And it just kinda it just never captured my imagination. I, I didn't like it at the time, and I haven't played it in at least 30 years or almost 30 years. And I don't know if I it may, I'd like to maybe go back and give it a, a second chance, but I can tell you right now, it's definitely not my favorite of the Zelda series. Yeah, they tried to add a little bit of Mario element into it, but Zelda's just not a platformer. Yeah, no, and it, and it doesn't and it can need never to be. be. No, it it's just it. I don't know what they were thinking with that. It, it just it's. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, uh, and also on December ninth of nineteen eighty eight, Tecmo releases Ninja Gaiden for the NES Famicom. One of my favorite video games of all time, Ninja Gaiden. It's one of the most critically acclaimed as well. <laughs> well, so I, I've I've never. I've never played it, but I know you did a, a review of it a while back on the podcast, and you know it, it seems like a fun game. It's, it it's, seems like a very fun game. It's my white whale of the Nintendo. I've never been able to beat it. I and you know I can always get to the same spot, the the very last board, but it's mm-hmm. just it's one of those games that the difficulty ramps up so much with each level that it just mm-hmm. gets to the point where it's just damn near impossible to beat. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've watched, you know, a little bit of video from it and then hearing you talk about it, it it just seems fun. Oh, it is. On December 17th, 1988, Square Co releases Final Fantasy 2 for the Famicom Disk System as the second installment of the Final Fantasy series. 
Yeah, I, I've vaguely heard of Final Fantasy. That that's that that's that small yeah. franchise that started like back in the late '80s, right? Yeah, they only put out like one or two games. <laughs> yeah, just never never really caught on. Yeah, I but don't no, know why. But no, in, in all seriousness, what they're on like thirteen or fourteen now. Oh God, I don't even know at this point. There's a lot of them, and I I've played one Final Fantasy game, and it's a game that I reviewed on this podcast, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, which is, again, kind of regarded as like a redheaded stepchild yeah. of the of the franchise. But I just never... I've never played a, like a legit Final Fantasy game, nor have I really had the desire to. Yeah, the only Final Fantasy game I've ever played was I tried to play the one for... I think it was for the original PlayStation, and I don't remember which one it was. Uh, my roommate had it at the time, and I tried to play it. I, I played it for maybe an hour or two, and I was so lost that I was just like, "Meh, I'm not gonna do this." Yeah, I watched my uncle play. I think Final Fantasy VII when it came out, and you know it looked cool. That might have been it, but I just, you know, for some reason, never had any. You'd think with me being a Zelda fan and it looking like kind of similar to it, yeah. That I would be drawn to it, but no, just never, never was. I, yeah. I props to the series for going on this long and having the following that it does, but oh yeah, just never, never got into it. And on December twenty fourth of nineteen eighty eight, Capcom releases Mega Man two in Japan, eventually becoming the highest selling installment of the entire Mega Man franchise, with a total of one point five million copies sold. I, I've, I've vaguely heard of Mega Man, yeah, especially it's... on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Mega Man 2, one of my favorite NES games. A lot of a lot of my favorite NES games got released this month. Oh, December's a good month for gaming. Especially Capcom. They put out some good, good games this month, which is uh, another one coming up next. Speaking of Capcom, also in December of 1988, Capcom releases Ghouls and Ghosts, the sequel to Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, I think we talked about this not too long ago on the show, too. Yeah, I, I reviewed uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, yeah. which I think might be one of the reasons that I'm like slightly starting to lose my hair. Yeah. <laughs> They're not exactly the easiest games on the planet. They're definitely uh, Nintendo hard. Yeah. And then... You f- you think you're finished with the game? You get all the way to the end. You defeat the oh, boss. Oh God! Oh, guess what? <sighs> you got to go through the whole game again, all the way through. Like, Merry hey, Cri- you had so much fun playing this game, right? Yeah. Well, Merry why don't you Christmas, do the whole thing kids. over again. Merry Christmas, kids! You get to go through the whole <laughs> thing again. Ah, uh, I mean, what kind of uh, sick, sadistic bastard does that to a kid? Could you say that Capcom was trolling before trolling became cool? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and also December and 1988 was all had a big December, man. This is yeah. nuts. Uh, in December of 1988, Namco releases Winning Run, the first polygonal 3D arcade racing game. Uh, I think I remember seeing this game on the video game years. But of course, they don't give you any screenshots, so I can't be sure. But I think I know what game this is. I never played it, but I I do think that this was one of the games they covered in the video game years. 
I'm not going to lie. I've never heard of this game before. Like I said, you need to but go watch the video game years. It's good. I, I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, also in December of 1988, Technos Japan releases Double Dragon 2 The Revenge, the first sequel to Double Dragon released during the previous year. You know, I see Double Dragon 2 a lot uh, when I go to like the flea markets and stuff like that. Um, but it's always kind of priced a little too high. But it's definitely one of those games that I want to get for my collection. Uh, because Double Dragon 2 is a far superior game to the first Double Dragon, especially on the NES. Uh, because, hey, guess what? The second one, you actually get to play two-player. And you would think they would have done that with the original. You'd think, because <laughs> that was a direct port of the uh, the arcade game, which was a two-player game. Do you ever wonder, like, when developers just completely overlook stuff like that, you're just like, what were you guys thinking? Well, the Capcom did it with Final Fight. You know, when I reviewed it a couple of months back on this show, that was one of the biggest things that baffled me about the game is, like, you had the the hardware you know, with the Super Nintendo, why not make it a two-player game? Because it makes too much sense. I guess, I don't know. Uh, moving into 1989, December 6th, Strategic Studies Group releases Warlords, which is one of the first fantasy turn-based strategy games. I do not remember this game at all. I do no, remember this, there was. This doesn't a, even sound familiar. I remember there was a Warlords game for um, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred that used the paddles, but I don't think mm -hmm. this is it because this is a, this is released way after that game. Yeah, uh, this uh, is uh, featured eight different clans battling for the control of the mythical land of Illyria: Syrians, Storm Giants, Grey Dwarves, Orcs of Kor, Elvali. Elvali, Elvali, I don't know what that says. Horse, horse lords, okay. Salentines and Lord Bane. You wouldn't want to be Lord of the Horses? N no, <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. No, no, it, it doesn't sound too exciting. No, this sounds like a convoluted kind of a strategy game. On December 15th, 1989, Technosoft releases, and forgive me for the pronunciation of this because I'm sure it's wrong, <laughs> Herzog Zawai in Japan, laying the foundations for the real-time strategy game. I remember seeing a lot of advertisements for this game when I was a kid, and I did the same thing you did. I had no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, get, give, me, give me that Herzog game. Yeah, get that Herzog Zawai. Zwei. Zwei. The Herzog Zwei. Uh, it says say it, it was also a precursor to the MOBA genre. It's been it's, uh, it's been cited as an inspiration to the developers of Warcraft, Starcraft, and Command and Conquer. It is the sequel to Herzog. Well, I would think so. Which was available on the Japanese MSX and PC eight eight zero one personal computers. Interesting. It's all about mechs. This actually looks kind of cool. Yeah. I think I might want to have to play that one of these days. Uh, and to round us out for this month and this year of our uh, shows and this month in video game history, December 22nd, Konami releases Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse. 
the third and final game for the series for the NES. And I am still, still on the search for Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse. I could kick myself in the ass for not picking up picking it up at the flea market when I found it uh, a few months ago. And I let it slip through my fingers, and I should not have. And now I'm having a hard time trying to find this game because you know what? It is great. I <clears throat> I haven't gotten to Castlevania 3 yet, but I it's one that I do look forward to playing eventually. But I, I have no doubt that at some point you will find your your other white whale mm. finding Castlevania 3. I want to play it. I've already... Uh, Castlevania is, you know, one of the hardest games you can play for the, uh, the, the NES and it's such a good game, but then you finally, you know, you get through, uh, Simon's quest part two, which was a kind of a departure from, you know, the, the plat, the straight platforming of the first game. And then, mm-hmm. uh, Dracula's curse part three kind of went back to what made Castlevania great. Um, and just kind of upgraded the, uh, you know, the gameplay and the the graphics and everything. So it was just a much better game all around. And I've been on the hunt. One day. Yes. One day you will find it. But let's go and tell everybody about books right now. Yes, yeah, so it's the holiday season. So what better time to use your Audible credit than now? For you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We've been talking about Star Wars a lot lately. It is what I like to call Star Wars season with The Last Jedi coming out a couple of weeks ago. The the much controversial The Last Jedi, but yeah. I, I'll, sa- I'll save that rant for, for another <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, A book that I mentioned last week I'm actually going to recommend again because I actually downloaded it and I'm going to listen to it for the first time. I've read it before, but it is Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Yes. Quite possibly the most iconic Star Wars story of all time in the extended universe, and I can't tell you how much I wish this was part of canon because it makes too much sense for it to be. You and me both. But it's got everything you would want in a Star Wars story. It, it fits so nicely between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It has a lot of great subplots, introduces two really good characters in the extended universe, Dash Rendar and Prince Shizor. It has everything you want in a Star Wars book. So I'm going to recommend that again for this week. And if you want to do that, if you want to get it for free, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And this week we're going to be talking about... Yes, this is our dual uh, review that we're going to be doing this week because this is our All-Star Christmas special and we're going to be talking about Super Mario All-Stars for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And Derek, I'm going to let you start us off with uh, with talking about the Super Mario All-Stars here. 
So Super Mario All-Stars is a 1993 compilation of Super Mario platform video games developed and published by Nintendo for the SNES. It contains enhanced remakes of the four Super Mario games released for the NES, Mario Bros. 1, 2, 3, and Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels, which was actually the original Japanese version of Mario Bros. 2, not released prior outside of Japan, mostly due to diff- uh, complaints about it being too difficult. You know, we, We've talked about the, the remake of, uh, what was it, Doki Doki Panic or something yeah. like that, uh, and that was turned into Mario Brothers 2. So I, I don't know what your initial thoughts were when this game was released, but I, you know me being – see, this was released in 93, so I was – let's see. I was six going on seven at the time. So I had played through the original NES games. I didn't grow up like with the attachment that you probably did, but I was still pretty amped when this came out. And the the thing is, like, this is a remake that was actually really good. Yeah. Um, well, I'll say at the time, uh, in 1993, I was uh, 15, 16 years old at the time, and I was kind of... That was around the time I was kind of starting to get out of my video game phase. I still played them, you know, but not as much as I did when I was younger. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember when this game first came out, I knew it was a compilation of the original Super Mario, you know, Super Mario 1, 2, and 3. And I did not know at the time that they were enhanced versions of those games. I thought it was just. You know, the original 8-bit version is just all packed onto, um, you know, a Super Nintendo cart. Yeah. And I had no interest at the time. I was like, well, why would I want to do that? I have, you know, the original Super Mario Brothers games for, you know, my Nintendo, which is rotting in a closet at that point. I'm like, why would I go back and play those games again? And honestly, I didn't even know... Uh, I didn't pay much attention to Super Mario All-Stars until you know a couple of years ago when I found out that they were enhanced versions of the original games. And I'm like, I have to get this game and play it. I want to play these games with, you know, that the original titles, the Super Mario titles, but with, you know, Super Mario World style graphics. And mm-hmm. I'll say sometimes some of the graphics are even better than Super Mario World. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I wouldn't disagree with that. And if you go to the Wikipedia page, you'll see a side-by-side comparison of the NES version of Mario Brothers 2 and the Mario All-Stars version. So they actually added, you know, like an actual background instead of it being just like plain, like a solid black or a solid blue. Yeah. It, it really kind of adds to the atmosphere. And, you know, the music and the sound effects are updated. And some of the music, I'm not going to lie, I actually like better than the original. Yeah, me the too. One, <laughs> the one that sticks out to me is when you fight Wart in Mario Brothers 2. I actually like the SNES remix like 10,000 times better than oh, the I- NES one. Another thing before I forget about it, the ability to save. Yes. <laughs> is magical. Yep. Especially because I, I was playing Mario Brothers 2 on All Stars the other day to get prepped for the show. And I completely forgot that there was a save feature. So I hit the pause button and it says save and quit. I'm like, what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I'm actually, I, I still haven't, that's the one I've been playing a lot too, is Super Mario Brothers 2. Since I got this game last week, my brother actually got me this copy for, as my Christmas present. And, um, I've mm-hmm. been playing it the last few days and I've been playing a lot of Super Mario Brothers 2. And, um, you know, I'm kind of stuck on world four, which was always the world that gave me trouble when I was a kid too, because it's the ice you know, mm-hmm. uh, the ice levels and you have to use each, you know, each player Mario's kind of the, the all around, you know, player to use. Uh, Luigi has a really long jump, but he's kind of hard to control. Uh, you've got wart, uh, not wart, um, uh, toad. toad. Yeah. Toad who is really fast. Uh, and then you have the princess who, uh, she floats, she can float for a really long time. So she's very good to use in the, the, you know, like the ice world and stuff, but it's still, you know, you got to use certain characters to get through certain areas. So it, and it still gives me a lot of trouble. Uh, I still haven't finished super Mario brothers two yet. I did. I have finished the original Nintendo version many times because that was one of Mm -hmm. my favorite games, but um, going back and playing it on, you know, super Mario all-stars is just, it's so good. I love it. And I just, there's not much I can say about it. It's like, if you like the original games and you like the NES version, and but you've never played Super Mario All-Stars for the, the SNES, it's a must-have title. Like, this is probably, other than Super Mario World and uh, Legend of Zelda a Link to the Past, a Super Mario All-Stars is a must-have. Those are the three must have games for the super nintendo yeah it's definitely in that top tier a question i had for you use in the ice world for mario brothers 2 what character have you been trying to use mostly the princess so that i can bypass a lot of stuff but there's also um one area where you you can only get past this one part if you use luigi God, he's such a pain in that world, though. No, he's so hard to control. Ugh. It's it's awful. Yeah, I never use him except for, and even I remembered this from when I was a kid. 
I only use him for that one part to get you, because uh, he's the only character that can jump high enough to get you to this certain part in the, like, I think it's world four, two, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one that can get you through, uh, he, that jumps high enough to get through that part. So, I think I know what part you're talking about. Uh, it, but to get, basically what I have to do is use the princess to get to the end of the level, go through the door, mm-hmm. um, kill myself or no, co- go back, s- kill myself, but be there with, uh, Luigi or actually get to that level kill myself as the princess and then use Luigi to get to the end of that level. Mm-hmm. So that's basically how I've been, how I've been getting past that part. And another thing that a lot of people talk about or a highlight of this game is the lost levels, which is, you know, the original Mario brothers two from Japan. But honestly, it's probably the game that I play the least. Yeah. It's on so this compilation freaking hard. Yeah, it's like frustratingly hard. Yeah, I'm like, no wonder they didn't want to release that as Super Mario Brothers 2 in the United States. I think if they would have, I don't think Mario would have survived as the Nintendo. I, I think that honestly was one of the best decisions that Nintendo of America ever made was to mm-hmm. turn Doki Doki Panic into Super Mario Brothers 2. Because I think if they would have released... Um, the Lost Levels as Super Mario Brothers 2 in the United States, I don't think the Nintendo would have been as popular as it was. I don't disagree with that. But the the games that I've been enjoying the most would be... Like, Mario Brothers 2 would probably be my number one. Yeah. And then right beneath that would be Mario Brothers 3. That's how that's I such would a good game. Too, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love playing Super Mario Brothers 1. And as soon as I popped it in, you know, my brother gave it to me and he had gotten it uh, off of eBay. So we immediately took it upstairs and hooked up his Super Nintendo. And I played regular Mario Brothers and I got all the way to World 8, like almost immediately. Because once you, you know, once you kind of figure out all the, the secrets of Super Mario Brothers, it's very it's a very fast game once you know what you're doing and where you're going. But yeah. Super Mario Brothers 2 and Super Mario Brothers 3, they definitely have some meat on the bone to, you know, to play those games. Absolutely. They actually did a, a re-release of this for the Wii in 2010, but it didn't get as good of reviews. Like uh let's see the AV Club gave the Wii version an F, saying that the bonus material included with the game was disappointing. Wow. And IGN criticized it for just being a straight port and not really doing anything different with it. Yeah, I would think um, what they should have done, instead of just re-releasing this, they should have gone back and did the same thing that they did originally for this game and update everything to be in the, the new Super Mario Brothers engine. That actually wouldn't have been a terrible idea. I still think they should go back and do that. Super Mario All-Stars 2. Yeah, why not? And then we can review it. Uh, they should release it before next Christmas. That way we can review it and have an All-Star Christmas Part 2. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you were talking about the music um, and some of the sound effects, and I was reading here on... Uh, 
the so the MarioWiki.com uh, underground levels like World One Two uh, and the original Super Mario Brothers. Uh, place an echo effect on all sounds. Lava is no longer just recolor of water and is boiling. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers, the lost levels do not have the same graphics as each other to begin with. For instance, the ground is covered by blocks in most of the levels of the original, whereas the ground is mainly covered by dirt in this version. Uh, in Super Mario All-Stars, the graphics of all the games were improved, and Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels was made to look exactly the same as the graphically improved version of Super Mario Brothers, released on the same cartridge. Yeah, I I, I love the improvements. Yeah, it says uh, Luigi. They also changed the uh, the the character of Luigi uh, to where he was no longer a simple recolor of Mario. Um, of Mario, he uh, his standing pose is different and now resembles his design from Super Mario Brothers three, but with the mm-hmm. shirt and overall colors swapped and recolored. Yeah, so they went. You know, there a lot of details they went back to change for these games. Hmm. And I, I give major props to them for doing it because it, it's it's such a simple idea in theory. But to go back and remake it to the gr- degree that they did was just really, really fun to see. And I appreciate that much more now than I did back then. Because back then I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm playing the old games again. This is pretty cool. And they you know, made the graphics better. But yeah, you know, seeing the, the attention to detail with the textures and the backgrounds, it, it's just so cool that they did this. Yeah, and um, on the Mario Wiki, it goes into a lot of detail for each yes. game. Uh, it talks about all the changes they made to the music, uh, especially to uh, entire music of the original Super Mario Brothers uh, was enhanced. A new happier background music plays in secret underground areas in the Coin Heaven instead of the normal underground and Starman theme, respectively. Uh, and then all the changes. It talks about all the changes they made to Super Mario Brothers Two. And it is just, it's crazy. Like, I always thought that the graphics for Super Mario Brothers 2 was, you know, as much as I love Super Mario Brothers 3, I still think the graphics and the style of Super Mario Brothers 2 was better than 3. Because mm-hmm. uh, it was a little more colorful. And plus you had, like, you know, all the different style, you know, different enemies and stuff like um, Birdo and Mauser. Um, and all the different um, bosses you had to fight, but then you go through this in Super Mario Brother, uh, you know, Super Mario All Stars, with the enhanced graphics, and it is just a strikingly gorgeous video game. Mm-hmm. And it still holds up to this day. Oh yeah, it's you. It's probably you know, I going back to play this. You know, we we've had a lot of discussions on this game before about which is the better of the Mario games. Or which is our favorite? You know, I'm. <laughs> I don't know. As of right now, I'm gonna say Super Mario Brothers Two as my favorite. Wow. I I don't I don't really argue that because you know we've talked multiple times about how that game gets more hate than it should just because it's a a remake of Doki Doki Panic. But yeah, I mean it it works though. It does, so, you know, if you love the Super Mario Brothers series and 
You know, I understand that Super Mario Brothers 2 was a big departure from what all other Mario games are, but that's what's fun about it. Yeah, I mean, if it like I said if it works, then you shouldn't complain about it. Yeah, it's different. But to me it's not so different that it's you know, that it's that detracting yeah. because you still have the platforming aspects. It's just in no other games do you throw vegetables at, yeah. <laughs> you know, dinosaurs that spit out eggs. You know, and I always thought that Wart kind of got, you know, the shaft because, you know, King Koopa is always the, you know, the the perennial. He's become the, the arch nemesis of, of Mario that everybody kind of forgets about Wart. And I think it's it's high time that Wart makes his return. I think we would both geek out on this podcast if that happened. That that needed to be like if that happens, that needs to break like as we're doing the show, yeah. so we can just geek out about it. Oh, we're so happy about the return of a giant frog. Yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, but just Birdo. You know, we haven't seen Birdo. Oh, since Birdo's then. great. And um, and I like the way they went back and um, actually changed the uh, Birdo and gave her. A, uh, a bow on her head to make yeah. sure people know that she was female. The last game I remember Birdo being in was Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo. Birdo shows up as one of the, like in the last third of the game, as like a mid-level boss. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it was a cool little throwback. Yeah, because when you're playing all the other Super Mario Brothers games, you know, you play, you you going up against Bowser and all the sub-bosses are kind of like his kids. And that's the same thing every time. But you're going through Super Mario Bros. 2. You know, you've got Birdo. And then you've got uh, Mauser who throws bombs at you. And you've got to catch the bombs and throw them back. Uh, you've got uh, the three-headed snake. And I don't remember the Triclide. name. Triclide. Yeah, Triclide. Those were all really cool villains that I wish could make a comeback. Maybe the next uh, the next Mario game should be called Return to Subcon. It should. That would be awesome. I'd be okay with it. But yeah, I'd, I'll allow it. I really didn't know how much I was going to get back into the Mario games just because of Super Mario All Stars. Like this is probably my favorite Super Nintendo game right now because I love going back and playing the old games with the enhanced graphics, the music, you know, the gameplay, everything. It's just Mario has a special place in my heart. <laughs> you know, I think mm -hmm. every gamer that, you know, uh, around our age, you know, I know a lot of kids don't really get into Mario as much as they used to. I mean, maybe they do, but, um, you know, Mario was such a huge part of my childhood. And then to go back and it, it's, you know, all the games still hold up to this day is just, you know, that's the Nintendo magic. I've said it multiple times to people, you know, no one catches nostalgia quite like Nintendo does. Yeah. That's and I, so I agree, you know, that, yeah, they're essentially the same game, like gameplay wise, but you know, with the enhanced graphics, with the new music, I think it offers, you know, kind of a refreshing take it does. on all these classic games. 
And I'm really excited about playing Super Mario Odyssey, which I think I'm going to be picking it up in the next couple of days and um, playing through that because I'm I'm so all in on Mario right now. Anything mm-hmm. Mario, I just I just want to play. Maybe I should have got a Mario tattoo instead. <laughs> Maybe I'm I should. <laughs> <laughs> but no, th- this is I agree with you. This is up there on my favorite Super Nintendo games list. Like it's it's definitely top 5. I would still say Link to the Past is probably my number 1. And then Mario World would be a close second. And th- this would this would be either three or four. Yeah, this is definitely in my top five for the Super Nintendo. Uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja is up there in my top five. Definitely Super Mario World. Um, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. And for my fifth one, as far as a fun factor, I'm going to go ahead and say Final Fight just because I have so much nostalgia for that game. Yeah. Yeah, my five would be Link to the Past, Mario World, Earthbound, Mario All-Stars, and Secret of Mana would be my top five. Yeah, but this is definitely a must-have for, for any, sure. anyone that has a Super Nintendo um, and I, you know, I don't even want to know what my brother paid for it. <laughs> I didn't ask, but you know, let me just take a quick gander right now on eBay to see what they go for right now. Let's see, Super Mario. All I'll do a Google search. Stars shopping. Uh, right now, um, you can pick up a copy. Oh, they're going for about uh, twenty-five bucks right now. Um, that's not terrible. Yeah, that's not bad. I've seen them go for a lot, um, a lot more. If you want to get one complete in box, it's going to run you about seventy. Um, and actually the last time I came across a copy of this was at the retro store and they had about a $60 price tag on it. Yeah. I want to say I paid 30 when I bought mine a couple of months ago. So it wasn't, it wasn't as much as I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a must have. And like, I'm looking on eBay right now. Uh, it, it just a, a cart itself. Um, you, you're probably going to run about twenty five bucks. Complete in box is going to run you about seventy. So it's definitely worth that price, and I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. I give this a solid ten. Yeah, I'd probably say I would give it a nine and a half, just because to me nothing is absolutely perfect. Yeah, and to be I, slightly different. I, I'll give it a 9.75. 9.99. But yeah, this is as close to a perfect, uh, you know, even though it's a compilation, it's as close to a perfect video game experience as you can have. I agree with that. So uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of our All-Star Christmas special. Um, and, uh, I know we're not going to be having a show this coming up week, uh, the weekend of the new year, because mm-hmm. that's just going to be way too much for us to try to get a show out next weekend. Plus I have to work on new year's Eve. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, we're, we, the holidays have been screwing up our schedule already, so I'm not even yeah. going to try to put uh, the pressure on us to try to get a show out next week, but we will be back uh, the first week of January. Uh, not sure what we're going to be reviewing yet, but we do have a couple of guests coming up next month. Uh, some really big guests, one returning guest. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun month here at uh, Nerd Cave Retro. And I wanted to say to all of our listeners, you know, we've been steadily going up in listenership over the last year. Um, definitely want to try to build up that community a little bit more. Uh, we'd love to have people, you know, uh, interacting with us on Twitter at Nerd Cave Retro and also on Facebook. You can interact with us, um, facebook.com slash Nerd Cave Retro. Let us know what you want us to talk about if you have a good uh article that you want us to cover or games that you want us to cover please let us know um if you want to send an mp3 uh send it to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com we'll play it on the show any comments you might have um but please uh, go on itunes wherever you listen to the show at and please just leave uh give us a rating leave us a short review that'll get us in front of more people make the show better and I uh, just want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening to us and spreading the word over this last year. This is the highlight of my week is doing this show. I love doing this show. I love talking with you, Derek, about uh, retro video games. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everybody that's listening and spreading the word. And we're going to make 2018 even better. No, thank you, Jason. Thank you. No, no, it's it's definitely a highlight to you know be able to just sit in front of a microphone and relive fun childhood memories. You know, no matter what video game we're talking about, even if it's you know one that we're playing for the first time that maybe we missed out on as as the kids. Yeah, but still being able to go back and talk about you know the this month in gaming history, the news articles, you know, it, it's all. It's all about nostalgia and just remembering simpler times. So yeah. if we're if we're able to, you know, distract people for thirty minutes to an hour with us talking about that kind of stuff, that makes it all worth it. Yeah, because look, the world is a very tough place, and especially right now with uh, all the political things that are going on and you know everything that's happening in the world right now. We need we need an escape, and we need to talk about the things instead of yelling about things that we hate, let's talk about the things that we love. And, um, that's, what's going to get us through these weird times that we live in. Absolutely. But, um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, start getting us out of here. Uh, I got a new soundboard, so it's still taking me a little time to, to learn where everything is and all that kind of stuff. So, so bear with me, everybody. I'll, I'll get used to this new, soundboard um let me turn up our music here if i can find it there we go play the music there we go if you'd like to email us we're at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com we're also on nerdcaveretro.com we're on instagram and twitter at nerdcaveretro you can follow us individually at jfunktastic at derek underscore diamond and we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So here's to the new year. Happy holidays, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. And we'll see you in 2018. So Derek, 
tell them what it's all been about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.